Hey everybody, welcome to the Cripes Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Barons. Today, my guest is comedian, actor, and writer, Josh Wolf. You may know him from his stand-up or comedy videos online. He was also on Chelsea Lately back in the day. Josh actually has a few dates coming up this weekend at Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton. And uh, he's a hilarious dude. I think you're going to love this conversation. And if you can, go check him out in Appleton. Uh, But before we get to that, just a quick update on what's going on on this end. I'm actually in Boston right now doing some shooting with my buddy Bill Doucette, who you may remember from the Midwest versus East Coast video. Uh, Yesterday, we actually did did part two of that video. Well, kind of part two. I think we're going to call it like Midwest guy in Boston. But uh, anyway, I don't want to give too much away. But I'll just say that we ended the sketch dressed as a Minuteman, uh, and I was wearing a cheese head instead of one of those other three-point hats, you know, cheese head. That's probably one of the things I'm most proud of of the video. So anyway, you know, if folks, if that's not a real good tease for this video, cheapers cripes, I don't know what is. Do they need a visual to make it really funny? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, wrong platform for that. Aukie dokes. Let's keep her moving. Also, by the way, saw a ton of fans that were more than I expected in Boston. I, it could have been that I was wearing a big cheese head and dressed like a Minuteman. Uh, I was I was uh, drawing some attention to myself, but we saw a bunch of people from the Midwest who stopped and said hi. So we're going to have to do a show out in Boston soon. Uh, let's see here. What else? Oh, also, speaking of shows, we are kicking off the Midwest Survival Guide Tour. This week, I'm in River Falls, uh, Winona, Slinger, and then we're playing Title Town on Sunday which is going to be a lot of fun before the Packers opener. Oh, Winona, by the way, we actually had a second show and there's still a ton of tickets left. Also, the Town show, that's a free show. So come one, come all. And we are auctioning off a Leroy Butler signed cooler. It's a really cool cooler. The Packers actually gave it to me a, a couple of years ago and Leroy Butler signed it when we did the fishing video. And he said he would add some vodka, some leap vodka into the cooler. And also I put a bunch of stuff from my bar in there. Yes, there is a half full bottle of brandy. Yes, there is a muddler. It is cherry stained. You bet your tush. There is an opened thing of bitters. You got everything for brandy old fashions and Leroy's going to hook it up for your Bloody Marys. Okay. So anyway, and uh, we'll, we'll auction that off. All proceeds are going to the victims of Hurricane Ida. Additionally, if you want to support, you can buy a Go Packers Neff the Bears shirt off mandwalkman.com. I believe we have them linked up on cripescast.com as well. So if you buy one of those Go Packers Neff the Bears shirts now through Sunday, this week when the Packers play the Saints, 100% of those proceeds are going to the United Way of Southeast Louisiana. Uh, these shirts are also made in the USA, printed in Wisconsin. So, you know, and, you know, honest to Pete folks, what better way to help show our Midwest nice to people of New Orleans than by buying a shirt that says F to Bears? Seriously, it don't get any better than that. And if you want tickets to Winona or more details on Town or anything like that, just head on over to Cripescast. Com. Finally, I want to say thanks to everybody for sharing the Cast with your friends, telling uh, folks about it, leaving comments, the whole deal. I love you for it. Honest to Pete. Let's see here. I just wanted to um, read one of the comments. This is from Sahara Travels. Okay, so sh- first of all, she she saw a tweet which read, Integrity is walking the talk. Your actions live up to your words. Authenticity is only talking what you already walk your words reflect your actions. It's good to practice what you preach. It's better to reserve your preaching for the principles you consistently practice. Well, that's a heck of a quote. And then uh, replying to that quote is uh, the comment I'm going to read it is Sahara Travels. She said, read this today and then was listening to your Lexi Brown episode. New listener. I really enjoy your interviews, but was particularly blown away 
with your words on Kenosha, specifically your insight of let's help the situations the police and first responders are walking into. Wow. I think this point has been the bridge missing from most conversations. Just wanted to thank you, and I will keep her moving with kindness. Oh, cheese Louise. Thank you for that comment. Yeah, I, the Lexi Brown episode is really was one of my favorite episodes, but uh, I, I don't know. I tried the best I could to break down a very complicated topic, and I, I know I probably just scratched the surface. But, you know, issues like that, I do. Uh, it is good to find the bridge between us because, you know, I think we've all tried doubling down on what we hate about the other side, and it doesn't doesn't get us too far. All right, ladies and gentlemen, enough chit-chat from me. Here is my conversation with Josh Wolf. I like that camo uh, hat. Is that camo? Straight camo? It is. It's a, it's a, it says Tribe Kelly. Oh, nice. That's pretty uh, cool. My wife got it for me. You know how that goes. Yeah. You wear it and you're <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's the best hat. Yeah. She says something like, I think you'd look good in this. And I say, you're right. And that's yeah. how that conversation goes. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of take a recommendation on hat choices. And then. I mean, oh, this whole, this whole wallpaper situation. This is all her. That's Jeez. really good. Does she, could she give me some advice? Cause I just threw some like sound stuff on my wall and some, you know, random things there. And so, yeah, I need yeah. a little help in that regard. Um, Charlie, but, I will tell you the one thing I really like is that of the three things you have on your wall, you're sitting in front of one of them. I'm sitting in front of one of them. <laughs> you want know Josh, honest to God. All right, give me a second. Okay. Okay, look. How's you gonna that? move the whole Better? desk? Yeah, I'm moving the whole desk. <laughs> I'm a bad interior decorator. Okay. So am I, dude. So am I. Listen, I'm bad at placement. Hang on. All right. I came now we're home cool. one day. I came yeah. home one day, and this was here. You know. And that I was looks like, great. And that's just wallpaper. It's actually like. It's. I mean, I don't know how you differentiate wallpaper from a sticker because it kind of wallpaper is just one giant sticker, but this ca it came in strips, right? Okay. And and um, it's basically a laminate. You just put the sticker up on the wall. I'm. I think I might have to uh, do a little uh, Amazoning of that situation right there because Society Six. It's called Society Six. Society Six. It's on yeah, record it's just now. Like, there it is. It's <laughs> it's a it's part of the official record. <laughs> <laughs> Low key, you have like one of those. Don't they give off these like Amazon deals or something like for influencers or something? Where if you say it and then people buy it, you get a deal on it and you link it on your thing or something. Yeah, I think if I was probably a, a better businessman, I would know all about that. Yeah, me too. If I <laughs> if I were a better businessman i would brand my background better i'm getting there you know i'm getting there i'm what i, I, have, I have to i have to ask you something yeah, yeah what do you sure. think because you've really you're the you've mastered the to me what the hardest thing is to master in this oh geez hang on i think i lost you right when you were about to say i mastered something <laughs> Wait, okay, you're back now. You're back. Okay, clearly I haven't mastered decorating or my internet connection. So let's repeat this so people know that I'm not a complete failure. What have I mastered again? Do tell. <laughs> you have mastered the thing that's the hardest thing to master in our business, man, which is your voice. Oh. You know who you are. 
and mm-hmm. everything else after that is the hard is the easy stuff but like you i don't know how long you've been doing it but it takes most people a long time to figure out oh this is what i say this is how i say it this is how i'm funny and you you did it right out of the gate you know i i do really appreciate you saying that i don't always feel like that cuz i think when i went initially you know it's like very charactery you know and and so it is a viewpoint but it was super charactery and then um you know i've kind of dialed it back to a more realistic version of of what you know kind of your stereotypical midwest guy is is going to do but it's nice because you know and, and maybe you can relate i'm sure you can relate to this but you have like the thing that you do well and then creatively you want to branch out and try something and when it doesn't work inevitably or it does work you know but you you're still going to go back to your base of like what you do of that that for me it's that midwest viewpoint and um so i do you know, appreciate yeah go ahead it's interesting you say that because i find and i'm not sure if you find this across platforms but depending on what platform i'm putting out material that each platform wants something different like my yeah. my youtube group so I'm doing these fun videos now on Facebook, like comparing California versus Nashville and yeah, I've seen those. vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. And for me, the humor is on both sides. Uh-huh. If, to me, if you're taking shots at one side, you're not really getting it because everybody's dumb, right? So we got to be yeah. able to laugh at it, right? And, but my YouTube channel, they want to see my standup. Right. They want to see my standup. Right. And so when I put stand up clips up, yep. But if I deviate from that at all, like you're saying, you want to try something else, you want to branch out a little bit. It's like, that's not what we signed up on this page for. And we're not, we're not permeating over to that part. Yeah. You know, but the, the Facebook page and the Instagram, they'll definitely, they eat up those videos, you know? Yeah. I kind of do have that with like TikTok. You can do the the trends and all that sort of stuff that they do. Or you can mess with, you can experiment a little bit more on TikTok. Whereas Facebook, they kind of, you know, you look at your, it's, it's generally not the younger audience on Facebook. So it's, you're doing kind of more traditional, I guess, comedy. And then it, Instagram's that weird territory where it can all kind of cross over for me. But yeah, it's like figuring out those nuances is uh, is it's trial by fire mostly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you can get in this thing of like they've got all these great analytics, right? So you can dive into it and you can be like, wait, that many people unfollow me today? What, what did I say? <laughs> when when it could just be like Instagram's purging all the old accounts, so it could be nothing. And you could sit here making adjustments on your thing, on your comedy, based on something that Instagram just decided to do. It kind of gets you into a weird... Uh, so oh, I, I, I basically... I go through phases, but I try not to pay too much attention to... The negative analytics, I guess. The positive ones, I, I feel like if you follow those, you're going to be on a better trajectory than just whatever possible negative things there are. I actually, you know, it's funny you say that. I actually try to not, I know this is dumb, maybe, not look at analytics. I look at comments. I, mm. I comment back to people. But I always just try to do what i think is funny mm-hmm. 
And that is a better way of doing it for sure. For sure. I don't think I've ever been in a creative mindset when I've been looking at analytics. So I should no, probably, never, right? yeah, I should probably just cut that out, you know. But then I'm you talk Charlie. to them and they're like, look at the analytics. You know, if you get onto a, a phone call with, with one, of, like one of the platforms, they're like, yeah, you got these great analytics tools. I was like, but I failed math every time, you know. I was really bad and at algebra. by the way, you can follow their analytics and still have something shit to bed. Yeah, that's so true. Like, that's true. Can, can I tell you, and I'm not going to tell you which platform because I don't want to. You don't want to throw it. one of these platforms under the bus? Really? I, that's the I, most I'd fun be, for me. I'd be happy to. You ready? Okay. I was on the phone with Facebook, right? Yeah. And I, and I got put in Facebook jail. It, it, and by the way, if you see my page, like, it's just silly. My page is silly. And I put, I used to put weird news stories up on the page because I like weird things and I like yeah. the stories, right? Well, apparently one of the weird news stories wasn't 100% true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my page got put in fake news. Mm -hmm. Bummer. Bummer. And you, now, that's a 90-day jail sentence where oh. they take and they take you out of the algorithm. Mm -hmm. Now, you know that, that that algorithm is everything, right? Yeah. So yeah. I got, I got crushed and, you know, I've been just my numbers, even though I have, you know, well over a million people and, but the numbers on the videos never came back. And, and so I got on the phone with Facebook and I said, Hey, uh, and I told them the whole situation and they were like, yeah, it's terrible. And I was like, um, I said, can you tell me how to get back into the algorithm? You know, so I can get back into making money that you guys took from me for no reason. It was just mm -hmm. a fake, not fake news. Like it, it was just a weird news story. There's going to be a human over there who can see that I'm not trying to spread fake news. Right. Yeah. yeah. She was like, yeah, we don't ha we don't have that. And I said, <laughs> OK, I said, uh, I was like, can you tell me, is there a way for me to get back in the algorithm? She goes, yeah. And I go, can you tell me what it is? And she goes, no. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, we're not allowed to tell people how to do it. We can give suggestions. And she sent me an, uh, an email about this is how many videos you need to post. You need to comment on people's comments like this. I go, but you know how to get back in the algorithm? She goes, yeah. And I go, but you won't tell me. She goes, no, nah, <laughs> we can't tell you. And I said, but isn't it better for the entire platform if, you know, things are being shared? And she was like, yeah. And I said, and you know how to do that? She goes, yeah. And I was like, but you can't tell me. She goes, nah. <laughs> so, 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 absurd, A. First of all, absurd. <laughs> you're so dumb. It, well, it, it, because you're kind of like, why? First of all, what was the thing you shared? Do you remember what it, what it had to do with? Because this might be part of the deal. It was a dumb news story, man. It was like, was it, you know, was I it about, it, was it about like vaccines or no, was it about like no, politics? No, 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 no. It was nothing. No, it, not it vaccines, not politics. Yeah. If you look at my weird news stories, it's things like, you know, like that news story that's going around right now about that dude who sued his parents for $40,000 because they right. threw out his porn. Right, 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 right. Right, yeah. Just with the absurdity. Mm -hmm. So my 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 stand up man, or my stand up, my comedy in general, is just about. I'm going to point the finger and make fun of everybody. The absurdity mm -hmm. of the time we live in. 
oh, is yeah. where I'm at, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so like I have a video out yesterday, vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. And depending mm -hmm. on which side you fall on, you think the video is about the other people. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> right. But I like the absurdity of the time we live in. Yeah. That's it. And they and my, my thing about Facebook, Charlie, especially, is that and, and and I don't know about you, but that's where a lot of the people who follow me, middle America, a little bit older, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so when they when I get and I'm going to say punished like that, they're my daddy. When I get punished on there, <laughs> you know, for not look, if I'm going to do the crime, if I'm going to do the time, at least let me do the fucking crime. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, at least let me have the fun, but to be put in jail and then not to be able to get out and then for them to know how to get me out. But not it's just so silly. But the truth of the matter is. We need these platforms. Well, that is the weird symbiotic thing, you know, and we give them a, a lot of crap, you know, but the, at the end of the day, they provided our ability to you know, be comedians. And, you know, I, I'm curious about this too. Like, yeah, you know, you're, you're the vax versus anti-vax. I mean, obviously there is absurdity on both ends of the issue, you know, just, just in, I mean, I, I've got the vaccine and all that sort of stuff and I'm not, I'm basically, my trust is just going to be with like my dad's a doc and, you know, I'm going to go with what he says, you know, because he studied this a lot and uh he's the way, in the deal you know and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna trust him now if i'm willing to i love a good like government conspiracy and th those have happened in the past but i'm just not seeing it on this so how when you're making fun of both how do you avoid the uh both side isms where like where you're showing the absurdity in both but I, I don't think that both are equally absurd, you know? They're Does not. that make sense? They aren't. And I agree with you. And I, I say to everybody, like, why? I, I, don't listen to Fox. Don't listen to CNN. If you don't want to listen to Fauci, don't. Mm -hmm. Ask your doctor. Right. That's what I always say. You're right. not a doctor. Right. You're not a doctor. And no matter how many Google searches you make, <laughs> You have not done the 16 years of college. Right. And, and hands yeah. on, right? Yeah. Ask your doctor, ask your doctor, ask your doctor. Yeah. The way I do it is, is that I think what is dragging this country down isn't Republicans and Democrats. It's the extremes of both sides mm -hmm. and the refusal of the common sense people to stick up to the extremes because it's they're like, well, I don't want to fucking... You know, I don't want to hear it online or I don't want to. So it's easier just to fall in line. And I, it, to me, that's what's circling our country. Right. Mm -hmm. So there, it, it's not equal absurdity on both sides. However, the extremes are equally absurd. That I right? totally agree with. Yeah. Right. So so the same people who are double masking in their house by themselves. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Are this are the same people who are injecting themselves. Oh, you don't want to listen to a human doctor, but you'll take horse medicine. Yeah. Like, oh, OK. What? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, I it, that's that, yeah, that's my thing. And by the way, I agree with you. The government conspiracy, you can't blindly follow anybody. Mm -hmm. But when I hear people say things like they're trying to control us with masks, I'm like, OK, 
I'll dive into this with you. Tell me how. Yeah. What what good does it do them that we're all wearing masks? Well, they control us. Yeah, but okay, fine. So they control us, but they control us by us wearing our seatbelts and wearing our shirts in restaurants too. You know yeah. what I mean? Pants too. You know, that yeah. is government <laughs> control. You know, I should be able to yeah. walk. Yeah. I mean, why? Why not? You know, why not dick out? Yeah. <laughs> what's why the not? problem I with mean, that? The, we have casual Fridays. We can't do dick yeah. out Tuesdays. Like what's the. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the government's got to ruin everything. <laughs> I, seriously. No, I mean, that that is that is the part that I've always thought was a little nuts. Like you follow so many rules on a day in and day out basis. And this one just so happens to have it's not like a huge deal. I, I don't know how this became like the uh, calling ground for like uh, socialism or whatever. If if masks are socialists, so are shirts. So are pants. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it became political. Mm -hmm. As soon as it becomes political in today's day and age, you are not asking, you are making people choose a side. Right. That's it. Which side are you on? Yeah. Pick and it, look, we're, it's all about now pointing fingers and picking sides. We are, we have dehumanized the other side, whatever side you're on, right? right. How many times... Whatever side you're on, or have you heard somebody say, yeah, I like him, though. He's one of the good ones. Yeah. But that right. means, right? You have dehumanized, and that's what we're doing. It's really kind of, not kind of, it's super depressing, especially for someone, and I don't know about you, I am an optimistic, positive dude. And I truly believe that most people, not most, that people just want to be happy. Mm -hmm. But we just keep getting fed fear about what might happen. The boogeyman over your shoulder. They're coming for your guns. There are people coming across the borders. You know, everybody hates black people. The police are going to kill you. So I'm scared to leave my house. I'm scared to, right? You, you're just making people scared of the, you're making the boogeyman everybody who's not like them. It's, it's a real slippery slope. Yeah, it, it is. And I mean, at some point, you know, people just have to. Uh, it's unfortunate that we've developed all these systems in place that are successful because uh, we pit each other against each other. That being the political system yeah. that is now the blueprint for making a solid political campaign is say some absurd, absurd crap that you don't believe because it riles up lies. the base and they, yes, lies. And then they donate. And then uh, the media is unfortunately not much better because as much as, you know, CNN would want to blame Fox News for Donald Trump, it was CNN that had used him as a darling back when he was on the rise, you know, because he had great ratings and he's always had great ratings. So CNN threw him on when he was a minor candidate and didn't stand a chance. But you give someone that much airtime, guess what happens? They People yeah. see them, they recognize them. We're all simple uh, machines. And I think like with the increase of technology, we're seeing how simple these machines really are. We're very reactionary. We act out of fear. And uh, very few, unfortunately, rise above fear and and try to, uh, you know, make bridges, not bubbles. And, uh, you know, we, we just well, we're relearning the same lessons over and over. And it's frustrating. I I agree. And I'm, I'm I, I, I always had disdain for politicians, but now 
it's reached a new level mm -hmm. because these selfish. And if you're like, well, not my, my side, no, no. If you're if you're in politics right now, because politics are politicians are supposed to be public servants. There's no service. It's about money. And if you're in politics right now and you don't stand up to your own party, by the way, that's yo, Charlie, if you were if you were, I don't know, going down a bad path as a person, you were starting to steal or you're starting to do drugs or you're just starting to, and I was your buddy. I would be like, hey, man. You need to get your shit together. What do we need to do now? If a stranger told you that you'd be like, mm -hmm. right. That's the same thing with politics, but we've lost, the politicians have lost the balls to be like, yo, this is not what our party does. Or I agree, with, I'm on board for our party. I don't agree with this, but you've either had to buy everything or get the hell out of the party. And you know what that's called? A cult. Yeah. That's called a cult. If you're not allowed to disagree with the Supreme Leader, you are in a cult. Yeah. And and I think that our, both parties have become that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, and I, I do think that there are some politicians who are in it for the right reasons, uh, some, but they're not getting press. They're not getting yeah. on TV. So it's, it's this self-perpetuating cycle um, that we find ourselves in. And it's, it, unfortunately, there's not one thing that needs to change. It's an overarching thing that needs to change and uh i mean i do think i i know we're on like a podcasting platform right now but i i like the podcast format as opposed to tweeting something or as opposed to like putting something on an instagram story because those social media elements uh those very uh guttural ones all they do is they solicit sort of um like virtue signaling or like trying to be on record being this that or the other thing but when everybody's trying to do that, we don't uh, you can't you can only do so much in a tweet or in a uh, in a reply to somebody in a comment section. And you get to the point of where you're not actually um, changing anybody's mind. You're just making yourself feel better. So I do like the longer form conversations where it's like people kind of have to listen a while and digest it. And there's not as much benefit to like ripping through comments in podcasts because not as many people are going through those comments, you know? So you listen right. and, and then make up your own mind. Take some time. That's what we're not doing. And I, I come from a journalism background and it it's always like you don't want to be first. Well, you do want to be first, but more than first, you want to be right and you want to have the facts straight. But we are in a, 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 you know, react first, the facts be damned. And maybe they'll, well, maybe surely. they'll, and then the facts don't exist, you know? Yeah. Alternative facts, be, you know? <laughs> Which is such a crazy, uh, but the biggest example of that for me is how this whole thing with COVID, mm -hmm. listen, this gotcha, hey, they don't know shit, you know, Fauci's dumb or the fact that Rand Paul thinks he knows more than, hey, if you know anything about science, is science is all about proving something wrong, right? Mm. That's how yeah. you, you- Scientific method, right? yeah. Right? And so this, the time we're in is I want information right now. So mm. three months into the pandemic, 
you're asking these doctors to give you definitive answers about what you're supposed to do. They don't know. So they're like, hey, masks. And then two months later, they're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe not masks. And then two months later, they're like, no, masks. That's mm -hmm. science. Yeah. That's that's the way yeah. science goes. Science goes, well, let's try this. Yeah, that didn't work. Let's try this again. Oh, uh, that didn't work. Let's go back. Let's try that. Oh, that works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're, you're accusing these people of being intentionally misleading or even worse to not know what they're talking about when they're just trying to find the facts. This is a new sickness, a new virus. How long has cancer been around? How long has the flu been around? How long have headaches been around? We don't know everything about them either. Right. So we're being, now I understand people being like, I don't want to take the vax because it hasn't been tested enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is when you're at home and you're like, yep, yeah, see, that doesn't work. Science is wrong. Science is working all along. Mm -hmm. it, it it just takes a while to get there. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's so crazy to me, but because one thing a doctor on TV might've said wrong a year ago, you know, it turns out it isn't true that none of them know what the fuck they're talking about. And I'm right. taking horse pills. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it'd be funnier if it wasn't, you know, if, you, if it wasn't, what's going on and people are getting really sick with that stuff too. I mean, yeah, I was going to say at the same token, man, you don't need a mask in your car by yourself. No. Although, you know what I, I mean? Know, like, and, and I used to make fun of that a fair amount, but then I was, I was thinking about it and I was like, I bet you there, those people are, they could be Uber drivers, you know, because what? they, uh, I was thinking about it and then I saw my Uber driver pull up with a mask and I was like, oh, Maybe those Got are it. the people wearing masks. So even and, and maybe not. I'm sure there are people who are double masking, or you know, outside or somebody. Somebody came up with this thing. This was um, I, I think I read this on on Twitter, but it was kind of funny. It was like, who are the people? And this was when the CDC said we don't need to wear masks anymore in public over the summer. And they're like, who are the people still choosing to wear masks outside yet have them? Oh, just over their mouth, you know, yeah. <laughs> like wearing it improperly when you don't even need to wear it. It's just like, OK, I, I give up everything. But that an image of that person is is like so, so pointed. I, I forget who said that, but it, it was hilarious in the in the video I did this week that I the vax versus anti-vax part of the video. I'm eating an apple through my mask because I saw somebody at the park in L.A with a mask on, but it had a slit and they were eating an apple. And I'm like, this is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. In my <laughs> Eat the apple at your house, man. Like, what are we doing? What, what, is it like one of those like diaper uh, attachments? It like buttons up and buttons down. Was that what the oh, I haven't the, seen that? No, they had um, it was one of the blue masks. They had just ripped the hole in it. Oh, God. Yeah, OK. Very effective. Very effective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So all all our societal strangeness aside, <laughs> how how is comedy, generally speaking, going for you uh, these days? Outstanding. Yeah. You know, these days I feel like we're, uh, especially stand-ups, um, are almost like stand-up is the, though it's been the art form, the thing we've, you know, done for a long time, it's almost like that's the... That's the privilege at the end of the day. The work is like doing all these videos and stuff to sort of sell tickets and to get a, to get people in seats. You know what I mean? So it, does yep. that uh, does that 
frustrate you? Does that inspire you? Do you see it as like a new challenge to do that? Or, you know, you've been in this game a lot um, longer than I have and, you, you know, you're, you're great at it. So I'm just curious, like your thought process there. I, first of all, I, I love doing standup comedy. I absolutely, if you come to my show, if after you watch the show, I, I promise you one of the first things you'll think is that dude looked like he was having so much fun because that's it, man. My sh and, and my shows have really turned into shows. Like I can see what I'm doing on stage now becoming a, uh, uh, an act in Vegas, like a residency. It's a combination of stand up, which I do about 45 minutes of. And then I do music. You know, I've started my next special I'm putting out has an hour of comedy music songs. Um, and then I bring people on stage. Um, I have a couple of characters that come out and sing songs. Like I really, because I know what's going on in everyday life, my life included, I treat that hour and a half as an escape for everybody. I mm -hmm. promise you, you're going to come to my show and you're going to have a great time. Last week we had a marriage proposal. Um, Did she you know, say my yes? show. Oh, I was hoping she wasn't going to. Be <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, oh, so much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> so much funnier. Um, but, but my shows are a living, breathing thing on their own. You mm. really, everybody, when you go, especially the ones now, you feel like you're part of the deal. You know what I did about four years ago, Charlie, which changed everything for me? I have always been a conversational comic, right? So yeah. story, storytelling. and But I was a little too, when I look back, a little too performance-based, which okay. I feel like, but what I mean by that is that like, when I started doing stand-up, pre-podcast it wasn't as uh and pre like seth rogan's st style of comedy you know what it just looks like people talking it wasn't yeah. jim carrey it wasn't that over the top and so when i started 90s um that what was in the movies or on tv was kind of over the toppy a little more energy comedy right 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 and and with podcast and rogan and like i said guys like uh both rogan seth and joe the conversational, the podcast, the long form. And so what I did about four years ago is I was like, what is the one thing that I feel like? I feel like I'm 90% of the way there. What am I missing? And I was like, you know what? Tonight, I remember the first show I did it. It was in Cleveland. I was like, tonight, I am going to just talk to them. Same jokes. I'm going to talk to these people like they're my friends. Mm. That's the only adjustment I'm going to make. Less performance and more how you doing. And since that time, it's changed everything for me. Hmm. Really, really interestingly changed everything. That That is, I'm thinking about my own stand-up right now, and I think I fall into that pocket sometimes. But I think when on stage, in stand-up, you're just one guy on a stage, and you've got all these people there who are, you know, easily distracted and, and whatnot. So I think my um perhaps insecurity in that is to as you're saying overperform or to um you know go bigger you know to fill the stage almost and 
I think it, you know, I mean, I think it's been working, but hearing you say that, um, that is a very interesting tweak. And I, I wonder, uh, I mean, that's what people go see stand up. So is to, is to present something as if it's, is your, your buddy. Yeah. I mean, to a certain degree that, that, that's interesting. I might play with that a little bit. I like that a lot. I like that philosophy. You know what I would try, man? How long have you been doing stand-up? Do you mind if I ask? I've been doing stand-up like in a serious way, touring and headlining since 2017. And before that, oh. it was a lot of, you know, it was open mics. It was bringer shows. It was uh, bombing on the regular, you know? So, yeah, uh, which, is great, know. which is great, which is great. Yeah, I, you still get a nice <laughs> bomb joke in every set, you know? But that just means you're trying new stuff. That's, that's all that means. That's right. That's right. Um, you know what I would, I would challenge you to try? And this is really, I learned so much about stand-up by doing this. One, and I don't know if, you know, you have to walk that fine line between these people paid to be here, so I want them to have a good time. Yeah. But also between this is my job and every time I step on stage, my goal is to be better. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm still in that. What can I learn tonight? Right. Yeah. What, how can, how can I make? And so I did an entire tour because like I told you, I was this dude. I, I was pacing back and forth. Yep. Uh, almost. Yep. You know, like, you know, like Chris Rock, you know, Chris Rock to me, especially even with the way he does the mic, the cord mic and the way he repeats parts of it, the premise of his joke to me, he stalks the stage like the predator. Uh -huh. He walks that stage like this is his stage. Now, Mark Marin draws you in, right? They sit on a stool and they make mm -hmm. you lean in, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, all I've ever tried was this. Mm -hmm. Let me try. So then I did an entire tour sitting on the stool. And you know what I found, man? Parts of my jokes worked better on the stool and parts worked better when I was moving. So then I was like, all right, this is because I don't know. I tell stories, right? This story is better when I started on the stool and then get up because then the movement means something. Mm -hmm. These little things. I also did six months where I didn't sit on the stool and I didn't walk, but I just stood behind the mic. I never took the mic out. And so I had to figure out what I wanted to do with my hands. And did I shift a lot? And when I went back and watched, I'm like, man, you're, you're moving a lot. Why? That's your energy. So this is your, this is how your energy is coming out now. So how, how can I make that come out of my mouth instead right. of my body? Yeah. That's, and so that's an acting thing too. You see a lot of yeah. first time actors try to use their hands a lot and like move around quite a bit, but if you can direct all that. So yeah, keep going. I cut you off. Oh no, no, that's all right. So for me, it was all about learning. And what I found was the for me the perfection lies in a blend of all of it i can't mm -hmm. come out and pace and be on 10 the whole times so that becomes white noise right right I, I can't sit on the stool the whole time for me anyways i mark does it expertly but for me i lose energy mm, right yeah, i yep. i start to get too comfortable and then there's a time to stand so where did and i and i would take notes I would do all of them. I would go back and look and be like, this works better like this. This works better like this. And then I'd be like, all right, let's put those three like Frankenstein. Let's put that part of this story, same story. This is stool. This is standing. This is moving. Let's try it like this. And I, I learned so much about not just my standup, 
but about why I was doing crazy movements on stage for some things that I was like, well, I'm not confident with that joke. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm overcompensating like this instead of what am I missing here? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you, it, yep. it's, it's a fascinating, you know, I think one of the things, dude, and I watched you do, and I think you're a really good stand-up. And I think one of the Thanks. reasons we we have so many people getting into stand-up comedy is because there are so many people out there now who make it look easy. You watch Burr at all? Oh, yeah. He makes it look, talk about a dude who's conversational, and he makes it look so easy. Right. People like, well, I can fucking do what. No, what I mean, what Bill Burr does is uh, I think because I've seen him at the comedy store a bunch, especially, you know, back when I was living in L.A. And he um, gets up there and he's like he's finding. And I think he said this at one point. Maybe he didn't. So, you know, don't quote me, even though I'm putting this on my podcast. <laughs> but I think he finds a lot of his bits on stage. But he also, uh, like, he goes in with, like, kind of a, a weird uh, start and land it. And then he finds the rest on stage, which is a great thing to do at the comedy store. But you got to be really good at what you're doing. But I think he yeah. also said um, this, and I can't remember where I heard it. Uh, he's been on so many podcasts and stuff. And I don't know if he said it or someone else. But when he started doing the act outs, um, that kind of brought it in because the act outs are a nice place where and if you're not into comedy out there the act out is like where you kind of have your setup and then you literally act out the the joke and it in doing an act out that's where you can add emotion you know sometimes like it, you you have a real tight joke and it's funny but if it lacks emotion it just lacks something in there so i think that's like he's he's an emotional and it doesn't work for every comic either. So I don't want to say it like it does, but with Bill Burr specifically, I think he's an emotion first uh, guy. And so many people connect to that because they got those same emotions of anger yeah. or, or sadness. And he's very pointed too um, with with his jokes. You know, he'll, he'll say something that maybe on its face is like, oh, that's misogynistic, but he'll twist it to where he is he is the enemy in that for making this misogynistic he makes himself the enemy which is i think the difference between you know that kind of so he's proving that that thought process is wrong but he's allowing people to see him as the imperfect vehicle to learn that you know does that yeah. kind of make sense a hundred percent you know what else he but that act out it's also kind of what we were just talking about right if you're 100% act out, it loses its effectiveness. Right. But if you're Burr and you're leaning on the mic yes. and you're just talking yeah. and all of a sudden you're acting out, mm -hmm. now you've, you know, this is a baseball term, you've changed the batter's eye level. Mm. Now it's something different. It's not batting practice where I'm just like, this is boring. I'm on a ride with you. I'm yeah. on the roller coaster. You know, one thing I learned early on from a... Um, a comic and he's not a well-known comic, but you know, in, when I was starting, he was a dude who helped me, but he was like, Hey, you have to take them on a ride. The roller coaster can't go up the whole time and it can't go down the whole time. That's mm -hmm. not a fun ride. Right. Take us on a ride. So sometimes you're just, it's not as funny. Take us back up. Mm -hmm. That's what the hour is. 
that's the show. Yeah. And he was 100% right. A guy named Rodney Shorewood. Rodney Shorewood was the first the man. I used to love this dude. He would step on stage in a, in a very um, announcery voice. He'd always go, Hi, hey, everybody. Just like, a, like almost like Harry Carey. Hey, everybody. <laughs> he would open up with that. And uh, he had just real deep. And he was... Every now and then he'd switch into that voice during the set. And I was like, I love this dude because, because like I said, he's taking us on a ride. Like, I don't know what's coming next. Yeah. And where, where was he based out of Seattle? Okay. I started in Seattle. Um, I started the guys that I started with, um, you know who Joey Diaz is? Oh yeah, sure. So I started with Joey Diaz, uh, a guy named Brody Stevens. I don't know if you knew Brody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't and know so, him. I, I was a big fan of his, but yeah. Can I ask you, because I'm always curious, what was it about Brody? So you're you're finding somebody. And by the way, for those of you listening or watching, Brody was, oh, if not the most unique in, in there, he was a guy who did stand-up without t- using punchlines. It yeah. was a really... Do you know what was it about him? I'm so curious. What was it about? Because it's a, you're a different part of the country. You're not his demo. You know what I mean? Like, tell me what was it about him that that attracted you to him? Well, I mean, I'm so I'm trying to think where I saw him mostly. I'm the comedy store, but then also he was opening up. I think I saw. Nikki Glaser do oh, yeah. um she did I I saw one of her filmings in LA um a few years back and Brody was was getting the crowd ready and everything the and crowd he, warm up guy the yeah. crowd I mean his ability to just improvise and just make uh I make the crowd feel like in on it like he was immediately everybody in the crowd's best friend you know yeah. and um and yeah, I because as you're saying that now, I I'm not thinking of any of his jokes that stood out. But the when he was on stage, I was feeling good, you know, because it, it was he was just very flow, very in that flow state all the time. I don't think I ever saw him have a bad night. And well, um, oh, did you? Did you oh, <laughs> listen? First of all, for those of you listening again. There were times where, and he always did late night sets at the store. Mm-hmm. And there were times where he would go on stage with his headphones on, drumsticks, sit on a stool, set up a chair in front of him, and just drum to the music that was in his headphones on a chair. And you would watch him. There, Guys, there were nights, look, nobody crushed like him. Nobody, I'm not sure if you ever saw him at the store where, you know, he would get people, comedy is so much about rhythm. You know, Don Rickles, and I'm going to paraphrase, but Don Rickles was like, once I get you into my rhythm, they are laughing before I tell the joke. Mm. Set up, and before I even hit the, because he was a set up punchline, set up, and he could hear people start to laugh before the punchline. Rhythm, right? Yeah. And once you got in Brody's rhythm of non-comedy comedy, there were people laughing. He would just go and recite his GPA at the different schools he was at. <laughs> he would be like, yeah, I mean, I just crazy. Doing that. Yeah. Yo, yeah. he you know, he he would just talk about how he took apple cider vinegar. Do you know one of the one of the first times I saw him snap on stage? We were in Seattle. 
and he was doing stand-up, stand-up, stand-up. Mm -hmm. And this is when he, I think he started to realize, oh, me being Brody is way funnier than me telling jokes. Mm -hmm. So he was on stage and he was bombing the only way Brody can bomb. And he said, listen, people, I'm a little stressed out. He said, do you know how hard it is for a single man living alone to shave his own back? He goes, I've got trouble spots. And he lifted up his shirt and there were patches of hair <laughs> all over his back. And I was like, oh, this dude's fucking insane, you know? Yeah. But I had never seen anyone. But the same thing was happening for him and Joe Diaz at the same time. They would get on stage and they would bomb with their jokes. Mm -hmm. But then when they got mad and they were themselves, by the way, as a young comic too, it was a great lesson to be like, oh, th their truth is so much funnier than whatever they're making up in their heads. Mm -hmm. Their truth. And so Joe, when they would snap, when Joey would snap, when Brody would go off about, you know, shaving his back or whatever it was, they crushed. And, and so those late night sets, Brody would walk around the comedy store on a late night set. No mic, just a cowbell. Bing, 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 bing. And He's, just trying to get people's energy up. Yeah, was it that, well, that that is it. He was an all. In fact, I remember this. He would he would find. I, I saw him do this a couple of times. Be like arms crossed. Don't like it. You know, and just yeah. just that arms crossed. Negative energy. Yeah, arms yes, crossed. Negative yes, energy. Yes, that it was. It was. It was. I I just thought because it was all it was all yeah. um, just stream of consciousness for him, and it was it was yeah. quite a ride to be on. Um, you know, it was so you know sad. Um, you know, him not being here anymore and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, the comedy community definitely, definitely lost an incredible, incredible talent with that. Um, yeah. You know, you know but when we were at, we were at his memorial at the comedy store, right? Mm -hmm. And the, not only the amount of people who showed up, they had to do two shows at the main room. And then they had a show at the OR. Not only the amount of people, and not only the level of people, Bradley Cooper, um, what was the dude from Mad Men? Uh, oh, John Hamm? John, that dude? John Hamm, uh, Dodgers, and, and comic, every comic I know. Mm. There was such a respect for him and how vulnerable he made himself and how mm. honest and how raw he made himself it was it was it was crazy and ironic that the one thing brody didn't know if he had the one thing that he chased was like acceptance from other people and if he could have seen the people who showed up for his memorial it would have made him like it it's so crazy that one thing that he was constantly chasing was there all along. Yeah. And isn't that the truth for a lot of us, you know? Yeah. Uh, cheese squeeze, folks. Excuse the interruption. But, you know, just want to thank our sponsors for this show. Jolly good. 
for starters. Now, when I stock that cooler that we're auctioning off this week at Titletown, you know what's mostly in it? Jolly good sour power. Why? Because that is the floater for your old fashioned. You can get it at Woodman's or, you know, really a bunch of the Wisconsin grocery stores. And if you can't find it, just ask the manager, okay? The Piggly Wiggly, the Pick and Save, the whatnot. Just walk in there. They should have it. If they don't ask the manager, it's great soda. You can also buy it off jollygoodsoda.com. And folks, I also want to shout out another Wisconsin company. That's Duluth Trading Company, headquartered right over there in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. I love their stuff. I'm actually wearing their sweatpants right now. They're fantastic. And they've got, I'm wearing one of their shirts. It's Alaskan Hard Gear. So whether you're looking for just casual, comfortable clothes, Duluth Trading Company's got that. But if you're looking to venture out a little bit more and, and do some, you know, some wild stuff out in the wild, Alaskan Hard Gear, really recommend them. But, uh, you know, they got a lot of great stuff. Check them out, DuluthTrading.com. Okie dokes, back to the Cripes cast. So you start off in Seattle. Is that sort of, that's where you sort of got your chops? That's where you did a lot of your bombing initially? Did you always know you wanted to do stand-up? Because you start very young too, right? Yeah, the very first time I got on stage, I was 15. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, one of my favorite things to do, Charlie, I'm not a dirty comic, except if my mom shows up. When my mom showed, one of my favorite things to do is to make people uncomfortable. And my mm-hmm. mom's at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple jokes I never tell unless I know my mom's coming and I open with them. <laughs> you're a, because I know she. You're a dude, sick bastard. I, you know that? You just are. Dude, <laughs> I know that my mom feels pressure to laugh at everything I say. Oh, God. Right. So I, I go as yeah. gross as I can to watch mm. her go. <laughs> I can tell oh, how much joy you're getting out of this right here. Too. So is it your mom who inspired you to go into comedy or what inspired you initially? I had three older brothers. You know, I think being the youngest of four boys and not being able to win a fight, you learned how to make things funny. So people stop punching you in the face, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then I, I started seeing stand-up on TV, mm-hmm. and I was like, that looks like a lot of fun. Let me try that. And I tried it, and I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to do that again. Mm-hmm. I, the fourth time I was ever on stage, you know, I say fourth, but I think back now, it might have been fifth. <laughs> I opened for Sam Kinison. Oh, wow. Wow. Bombed harder than I've in the history of bombing. I bombed on the walk out. I was already bombing. (laughs) Uh, They could feel the energy or lack thereof. It's a a Sam Kinison crowd. He was the first rock and roll comic. Yeah. He was doing shows in rock clubs. He was he had a band with him because he sang some rock songs, mm-hmm. you know, and these were rock and roll fans standing up, not sitting down. I'm not used to any of not, not Not just I'm not used to it. I've only been on stage five times. The yeah. only reason I got this gig is because on the way to San Antonio, his opener's dad, I believe, passed away. So he had to pull off the tour. So they're like, and I just won a comedy competition. And they were like, who won that competition? And they said, this kid, Josh Wolf. And they said, ask him if he wants to open for Sam. 
So I was like, this comedy shit's easy. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. Already, I'm already opening for Kennison. Come How on. are you winning a competition after only being on stage four times too? That's another. It question. was at, a, it was at a bar. Um, the winner was crowd response. Mm-hmm. I packed the bar with my friends. Yeah. And so when they put their hand over my head, it just went. Ah, and yep. that'll I, get yep. you. That'll get you. That's it right there. It's the last time and, you rely uh, on your bringer show. To- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then when I went, man, his fans, I was not, I, first of all, I had a ponytail with bangs. Uh, I, it's a great look. That is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like you need to change your profile picture back to that if you can find it. That is beautiful. I was wearing a a leather, a black leather motorcycle jacket, but with a, you know, those, the button down blue uh, dress shirts that they used to wear, a Blockbuster? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I had one of look. those under my one of those under my black leather motorcycle shirt jacket tucked into my jeans. Perfect. <laughs> with one of those, you know, those thin black belts that have the silver tip on it. Yeah. <laughs> with, with one of those, some baggy acid washed jeans and my dad's dress shoes. It was what, quite a look. man. What year was this? I can't I can't even based on that. Descri- I could not tell you the year. That could be 78 or 2003. <laughs> and it would not be a good look in any decade. I, I That's the thing. <laughs> you can't name a decade because it never fit in any decade. <laughs> right? It's it is so bad. I believe it was 93. Okay. That was my third guess. Do I want to say no, no, it can't be 93. Might have been 93. Might have been. Might have been. It feels like 92, 93, something like that. Um, but man, I bomb. I well, as I was walking on stage and I had a real baby face, somebody screamed from the crowd, "You better be funny, Bobby Brady." And I was like, "Oh <laughs> no!" <laughs> I wasn't Which, ready for heckles. I mean, that's your first joke right there. But yeah, you're not you're not in the the moment at that. You this is the biggest moment in your career to point to to date, and you're just scared shitless. Is what this is. Not on, on top of that. You know the fifth time you were on stage. Your material's terrible. Right? And Awful. you probably probably only have max five minutes, seven minutes. Max. And you're lucky if it's memorized and you yeah. And you're definitely told, forgetting a bit. The, and how about this? On my way out, the guy was like, just keep it to a tight 20. I was like, what? Oh geez. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I was like, what? A tight 20. I got five at a bar with my friends in the audience. Three of the minutes were me making fun of them. Five? Let me tell you something. By 15 minutes in, this is not even 15. You actually did the time? Oh, by seven minutes. Okay. Oh, I did all 20 minutes. Oh, wow. That I give you props just for that and your belt. Dude. But by- mostly your belt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By five minutes in, the crowd had already stopped heckling me and were just talking to each other. Oh, they were already even done worse. With me. Even worse. Even worse. And how about this? You ready for this? At 10 minutes in, I was really done with material and trying to talk to the crowd. So when, and you know, I'm the opener. So people are coming in late. 
I was repeating. I just repeated the first five minutes. I'm like, you guys didn't hear the first five minutes. Let me tell you these jokes. <laughs> was it better the second time around? That's the question. No. And then towards the end of the set, my girlfriend was there. I literally just started talking to her. I was like, nobody's listening. And she was like, I know. I was just, and I was like, what should I do? And she was like, just keep talking. I'm like, okay, but nobody's listening. I was having a conversation with her and they could barely hear it over the chatter in the club. <laughs> it, and then how about this? They were like, you ready for a second show? I'm like, nah. Nah. Did you? <laughs> it was two a show? night, two in one night. He did two. Oh, brutal. He did two, yeah. Brutal. So you didn't do the second show. Oh, I did the second show. Oh, you did. Okay. Good for you. I, I give you a, I mean, were, were yeah. you? So after this whole situation, did you just crawl into a hole and die for six months as any self-respecting comic would do? I, on the way home, I always remember this. My girlfriend at the time said to me, well, you got that out of your system, right? <laughs> Meaning you're, you're done with stand-up. And I said to her, I go, hey, stand-up might not be my career, but I'm not going out like that. Mm. Like that's not... I said, I told her straight up, that's not my last set. I'm going out on a high. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying this is what I'm going to do forever. I don't know. But what I do know is because I've always had that mentality, like, well, you're not going to, you're not going to beat me. Yeah. So I wasn't going to let those people chase me out of something that I was my dream. Now, maybe eventually I realize it's not for me, which I didn't think I would realize, but for sure that group of nameless, faceless people was not going to determine what I ended up doing for a living. That yeah. was my mentality. Yeah. That really, really was. Did Sam uh, see your set? He was so fucked up, dude. Yeah, that was that was kind of his thing. Yeah. He was so fucked up. I, I My girlfriend at the time recently sent me a picture of the poster that he signed for her. And she was like, you remember this? And I looked at it and I'm like, yeah. If you, if I covered up the the face and the name on the poster and I was like, just read that, you would be like, I have no idea what that says. It, yeah. Even knowing Sam Kinison signed it, it doesn't say Sam. It says, ha, ha, ha. yeah, you know, it, it, it says something like, ha, la, ha, la, ha, la, ha, la, and then he signed it. La, 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 la. <laughs> it's like it's that scene from The Jerk. You know, yeah. when he's reading the paper out of the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but when you talked to him, though, did he, did he, he didn't, he didn't give you anything. He just signed the thing. It was quick. He barely knew you were there kind of a thing. Yeah, man. We, we talked for a minute in the back. I talked to his brother, Bill, for a little bit, but mm -hmm. I was generally, I didn't, I was so out of my realm of comfort, mm -hmm. you know, like I, Sam Kinison and what am I doing back here and where do I hang out? And I remember, and I think the place in San Antonio where it, it was called sneakers was the club. And I, I it was just so far removed from anything that I, that I kind of stayed out of the way. And I talked to his brother a little bit, but knowing what I know now and how backstage goes, I, I, I totally get like why I hid. Yeah, because yeah. I see some people sometimes, and I'll have to tell them, "You come into the green room." They're like, "For real?" I'm like, "Yeah, you, it's it's forever. You come in here, you know yeah, what I mean?" Right, and right. It's a, you, yeah, that kind of stuff. And but I, I didn't really, I didn't really try to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. And right. I don't think he was in a spot to 
want to talk to me. Yeah. So you do, you go back and you, you figure it out, obviously, because you became very successful stand-up. And then you transition into writing as well. Was that always something that you wanted to do? Was that always kind of the goal or did that kind of happen and it was something, uh, an opportunity that came and you just took advantage of it? You know, you and I discussed earlier a little bit of trying different things on platforms, right? Yeah. Trying to, as an artist, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, if, if we're talking about a universe, the center of my universe is always stand up. Mm -hmm. But I love writing. I love the challenge. I love cracking the code. You know, like, totally. oh, that works. Look, oh, that is amazing, right? And I loved the experience of writing on shows. And it made me way better at what I do to be able to remove myself and go, okay, this joke works for this person. This joke works for this person. Um, when you write on TV shows, the, the economy of words is really important. Mm -hmm. There's only so many pay, right? So learning to take that out, not to be so precious, not to sit on things like I have a tendency to do um, and to get to it. These were all really important things for me to learn. You know, I took a job writing for Jeff Foxworthy on Are You Smarter Than the Fifth Grader? And um, this was when it was in syndication. And the money wasn't great. But um, look, man, I remember talking to Matt Vandewater. Yeah. Our, and our, saying, my my yeah. manager. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, saying, I I'll take this gig, but Foxworthy has to talk to me at lunch. Because the pay wasn't great. And I was the only writer. And we were doing five shows a day, which means I had to go home and write 75 set up joke punchlines oh, wow. a night. Wow. And I was like, I don't know how many Uranus jokes I got. Like yeah. <laughs> this is the only funny planet, you know? So, but I, but my deal was Jeff had to talk to me at lunch and he had to talk to me about comedy or whatever. And cause I, if I'm going to go and do this, I want to soak it all in. Oh and yeah. So I took jobs. I took jobs like that too. But for me, it's about being well-rounded, mm -hmm. but also man, our job is so fun, Charlie. Yeah, I know. It really is. And you got to remember that if you're ever complaining about your work to somebody who's not in, I mean, it's you just sound like a prick because what we get to do is pretty fun, you know? Yeah. And, and I wanted to be like, okay, because I wanted to have a TV show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if I want to have a TV show, I have to know what they do back there. Right. So let me let me get a job back there and see what they do. Okay. Now, not only do I know how the TV show comes together and now they know how they talk about the actors, but now. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that's you know I mean? the truth. Yeah. But, but now I'm getting a full scope. You know, my son likes to work on the other side of the camera, but I told him, I go, Hey, take a job at craft service, take a job in art department, take a job. You need to know how every department works mm -hmm. yep. because when, when you eventually hit the spot you want you hit, you want to be able to say, yeah, no, 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 I did that. I totally get what you're saying. Or no, no, I totally, right? You want to be able to say, I did that. I understand what you're saying. This is why I need it done this way. Yeah. You know? And so for me, 
rounding that out and being a writer really helped me with that and helped my stand up too, man. Helped me with the economy of words and shit. I do. And actually doing journalism on, on my end, that helped a lot with that too, because it's, you're saying everything in a way that can be understood at, by somebody with, with a sixth grade reading level is what they say in journalism. And I think that helps a lot with stand up because you want everybody on the same page as quickly as possible. So yeah, the shorter, the better, the quicker, the, you know, the setup and actually, and you probably, I know you do this a lot with news type stuff. Every headline is a setup, you know, and then your punchline can come quick after that or whatever, especially the headlines you use that get you banned off Facebook uh, to bring this all <laughs> around. Uh, that's that's the most fun of it. You incorporate your family a lot in very, uh, you know, hilarious stand up bits. Is that um, is that is that tough to do? Do they listen to it and they're like, I wish you didn't tell that joke. Like the one about your son and that picture he uploaded to the cloud, you know, uh, does, uh, <laughs> does that, uh, come back and bite you or are they, do they enjoy being in your sets? Well, that's, that's a great question, man. And people ask a lot, how come your two oldest kids aren't in more of your jokes? Mm. And the truth is they don't like to be humiliated. <laughs> and my youngest son, my youngest son, he was like, I don't care what you say as long as I keep getting Instagram followers. <laughs> like that's his that's his entire attitude. Right. Yeah. And so as my older kids have gotten older, they're okay with it. Mm -hmm. Um and but my deal with my kids was always this. And that that joke you're referring to, the dick pic joke, mm -hmm. that he didn't want that released. My deal with the kids was this. Look, this is the story I want to tell. I'm holding on to it until you're okay with me telling it. Yeah. And so, so that's why sometimes um, I'll tell a joke about Jacob and there it, he was when he was six, mm -hmm. but I tell it and people are like, well, you're telling stories about him being a teenager already. I'm like, yeah, but he just okayed this story. <laughs> this just got, this just got, uh, it's like uh, when the government releases the UFO yeah. docs, you know, it's exactly. unclassified yeah. information now. <laughs> yeah. We just unclassified this. Yeah. And so that's basically how I do it. I, mm -hmm. I'm never going to tell a story and there are plenty of them that they feel like is humiliating, that they can't, they're like, don't tell that story. And then I just don't tell it. Yeah. Like you don't hear a lot of stories about my wife. She's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to play those games. I'm like, Fuck, fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's totally fine. Yeah. I I, I feel like though the reason the stories about the kids resonate is because if you don't have kids, you've been one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very and relatable. So, yeah, and so I love telling those stories because. If, you know, to bring it back to my stand-up and my show, my shows are very arms wide open. We're all here together. We're going to enjoy this together. If we're laughing, we're laughing together. I may be poking fun at somebody, but that's all it is. We're doing it together, right? And so the family stuff, especially up front, when you tell it up front, sets that tone. Mm -hmm. yeah, we're all here. You know what I'm talking about. You had kids. You had a brother. You were a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all in this together. And then when I tell other stories later on, I still, we're still in that family, mm -hmm. all of us. Yep. And so I feel like th that has really, the, the family things, have, stories have really helped uh, perpetuate that kind of energy that I want. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, I want to touch on this because I know we got to get going soon here. But um, when it comes to musical comedy, uh, I feel like I've done some music stuff in my shows. But and I sometimes I use a um, when for the music stuff, I use like a presentation, like a keynote thing. So the lyrics are on the wall, but it's a total cheat. In my mind, it would be a lot better if, you know, they were tighter and didn't need the visual cues. So it's almost like writing the most precise punchlines when it comes to musical comedy. Do you feel like that? Do you have any uh, tips on that? That's an interesting question, man. So I feel like there's so many different ways to skin this cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do a mix between parodies and originals. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I've started to introduce characters who sing songs. Yo, I wrote one last night. Do you have two seconds? Yeah, I do. My guitar is right out there. Yeah, go get it. Yeah, that'd be great. Because I want to explain this to you. This is the kind of stuff that I'm... Okay, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Mm -hmm. And he's returned. Let's see what this axe is. What do we got? Is it a Takamine? Hold on one second. No, that's a Taylor. Is it a Taylor? I'm just yeah, telling Taylor. from the back. Oh, I got it. Nice. Okay, Actually, now, I might have that so same this, guitar. Yeah, it's one above the baby. Okay, no. So oh, I got. I like that little divot on the on the arm thing. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Of it. I think I have that same guitar. I love this guitar. And this character mm-hmm. is a guy named Clyde Blackstone. And Clyde Blackstone is like this old school country kind of Conway Twitty nice dude and i me and a woman named um taylor lynn who's loretta lynn's granddaughter okay we are writing a dinner theater parody act of conway twitty and her grandmother so it'll be like almost like a dean martin feel to it it'll be a lot of innuendo wait 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 wait, wait. is this yeah are did what you just told me is that for real or is that in the bit is that in the that's no, for real? Really? That's cool. That's awesome. So we're and we're setting it up like a dinner theater, and you know those acts weren't dirty; they were naughty. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, you, one thing, Larry the Cable Guy, and I toured with him for years. One thing he told me, he was like, "Hey, you can be naughty. Naughty invites everybody. Mm-hmm. Dirty, you draw the line. Mm-hmm. He's like, just stay naughty." Yeah, yeah, he said you can tell the same jokes, right? Yeah. And so um this guy Clyde Blackstone and, and so I want his joke, I want his songs to be not say, like right now I tell punchlines in my jokes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I don't think I can beat a punchline, the song's only two lines long. Yeah. Right? Because I'm like that I it's like a, I'm treating it like a joke. I can't yeah. beat that. Let's move on, right? Yeah. This dude is going to write like songs where you're like, is this a real song or is this a joke? Like one of those, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And so I wrote the very first verse chorus. Let me see if I can remember. Okay. Okay. When I was just a boy. Well, my dad, well, my dad sat me down on his lap. He said, son, you're from the South. And that's not 
Not by choice, that's by God, and that's a fact. We drink beer, we drink whiskey, don't mess with our sweet tea. I know what you mean by your mom and them. I used duct tape for Band-Aid. The wine we drank was homemade. I'm Southern like Jesus, amen. So this is going to be a song about a dude who thinks that Jesus was a Southern, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's actually, it's actually a good song. It's, uh, it's a banger, it's, you know? It's supposed to, like, this guy's songs, you know what I mean? They're like, like yeah. he's, he's got... He's going to sing a song called That Ain't My Belt Buckle. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's working on a song called um, uh, Breast Milk in the Beer Fridge. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> right? which is, a, which is a, my buddy Tommy Riles told me about this song that he and his friend wrote. And, but so, but I also do songs like, um, like parody songs. Like I'd always wanted to write a song about a dude with man boobs. Uh-huh. And so the song is um, Big old titties On my friend Dan Never seen a C cup Look so good on a man <laughs> yeah. And the whole song you know? yeah. And so I, I, the, the, the My Listen man My show is all about fun mm-hmm. it, we, We're gonna have a good You're gonna have a good time And these yeah. songs are silly and they you know i make fun of myself i make fun of some other people but mm-hmm. just like my stand-up it's really an all-inclusive but this clyde blackstone dude i'm so excited to do more of his songs well and i like doing going full character because you uh, in some ways allow yourself a little bit more freedom uh than oh. you would ever give to your actual self uh because there's that sort of plausible deniability of what i didn't say it that was a character choice right there you know so you can kind of be a yeah. little bit a little goofier or a little just weirder, you know, and not have to justify yeah. it or and, and it's grounded in a different reality, which is more fun, I think, sometimes, you know, without a doubt. It's just like if you really want to push the envelope, just make whatever you want to say come out of a cartoon's face mm-hmm. and then you can say whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, the things they say on Family Guy, I know. but it's just a cartoon. Yeah. So like, yeah, so, it's all right. It's a cartoon. Yeah. But it's a human. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. But we can't possibly be serious. This thing's animated, you know? Yeah. It's so crazy. We will, like, Stewie can say anything. Yep. Anything. Totally fine. But because he's a British baby for an inexplicable (laughs) reason, you know, nobody's going to take it too seriously unless you want to. Then it's profound. You know, (laughs) it's a a beautiful uh, structure we've set up in that. It's so crazy. Where are you? You've got a show coming up in Wisconsin soon. Yeah. Yeah. Next week. What day? Listen, man, if Appleton is Skyline, that's a great club. Yeah, I've never been there. Um, hold on. So it is, what are the dates? 9th, 10th, 11th of September. Are you in town? Do you want to come by and do a set? Yeah, I would love to come by. I'm actually, I'm on tour starting this week anyway. Let me just look at this uh, calendar. First of all, I want to make sure this, uh, oh, great. Not because this podcast will come out right before that. So this is great. Perfect. This is perfect on the publicity side. Unfortunately, I'm in River Falls, Winona State, and then Slinger High School. So what was it? What was the last one? Slinger. It's in Wisconsin. It's just south of where you are. So, you know, depending on how many shows are you doing each night? 
Two a night? Two. Well, let me see what time I get off that Slinger one. I'd love to come up. I don't need to do a set, yeah. but I would love to check it out. And if I get up there. Why don't you, you come know. do a set? Well, if I can get out of my um, show in time, because it's it's a little ways away. So I got to see what time those shows are. But that'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Either way. Saturday you, night late shows. What's the late get show? A little, what, they do get a little weird. That's, that's, uh, Saturday night late show. I've been known to bring people on stage and I play, I want it that way. And I make, and I have people do interpretive dance behind me. And that sounds funny. That sounds like a bit inspired by Bacardi. Uh, a lot of Bacardi Cokes. You know, if anybody's getting up on stage. Well, actually in Appleton would be old fashions for sure. You got to bring up old fashions. In which, Appleton? Yeah. Old fashions in Appleton. There's a song you should write. An old fashioned in Appleton, you know, and you take that whatever way yeah. you want, you know. But you know, it's funny when you say old fashioned in Appleton. I just imagine that means people are having sex missionary. I well, yep, yep. That's that's the double entendre, and then you just <laughs> you just throw some brandy into the mix, and uh, yeah. yeah, you can write that whole song, man. I uh, maybe I will. Yeah, that's good. It's old fashions. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. About, hey, if you're listening. And you hear a song about old fashions this week. You know, it was inspired on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, it might only be a 30 second song. Hey, that's all. Honestly, that's most old fashions are only 30 seconds. So it's fine. You know, <laughs> it'll work. Uh, cool, man. Well, I'm uh, I, I know you're tight on time and uh, I appreciate you coming on. I know we went over a little bit. So thanks uh, for hanging. No worries Dude. at all. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, man. Uh, this is a lot of fun. And then uh, how can people follow you if they're not currently following you? Um, Josh Wolf Comedy on all of my socials. Um, yeah, you know what? If you haven't watched my stand-up, go over to my YouTube channel. Uh, my special called Father of the Year is, look, I, I, know I'm a, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. But this special is... It's really good. It's basically one long story about my son challenging me to a fight. That's awesome. And yeah. And so, like I said, you grew up in a family. Uh, you were a kid. You have a kid. This special is going to resonate with you. And it's a ton of fun. Sweet. Thank you, man. I really appreciate your time. It was fun talking to you. And I hope I can make it up to the skyline on the uh, 11th. Yeah, but I hope so too. And you know, if just put those high schoolers to sleep early and come out. Oh no, it's it's at the it's a theater in the high school, so it's like it's oh. not just high schoolers. Yeah, I don't want. Oh, I thought I was like, oh, it's yeah, that, yeah. I'm doing yeah. I mean, I'm not above that. I do those all day. I love that. But uh, yeah. you know, that, yeah, no, this will be a little uh, lunchtime comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> I did a 10 a.m. I did a 10 a.m. show once with Larry the Cable Guy at a casino in Canada, and he sold 10,000 tickets. At 10 a.m.? This dude is a ticket machine. That's insane. Ticket machine. Ticket machine. Ticket machine. It was crazy. Wow. Um, but I appreciate your time, man. It was really good uh, uh, talking to you and getting to know you. And, um, you know, Matt Vanderwater is one of my favorite people in the world. He's dude. a great he's like dude. A, he's a genuinely honest good guy who tells you what the deal is and there's about eight of those guys in hollywood you got one of them i'm i'm a lucky man he has saved my ass a million times over so yeah yeah, yeah. well and, how, and, and and yeah and he and i'm so glad that he put us together 
I am too, man. And I'd love to collab or something, uh, if, if not this time, uh, sometime soon. So I'll, I'll hit you up next time in, in your neck of the woods. Yeah. And listen, man, if you wanted to collab uh, on a video, I mean, it's a quick flight up. I can always find things to do, but I would definitely come up. We could shoot a bunch of stuff and just get it in the bank. Cool, man. That'd be a lot of fun. Let's make that happen. All right, dude. Really good to know you. Take care. We'll see you. Bye-bye. All right, and that is it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Make sure you follow Josh Wolf on Instagram. That's at Josh Wolf Comedy. Or check out his YouTube channel for the special he mentioned in this podcast. And, uh, you know, thank you all for listening. Keep her moving. And while you keep her moving, watch out for deer. And honest to Pete, if you do want to see me live, once again, Check out those dates on cripescast.com. All key dogs, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. The Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot in the walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you got to keep her moving. 